Standing in front of an audience, Damien Tomlinson cuts an impressive figure with a steely gaze. He is built out of battle and his philosophy is worth listening to. The former soldier served in Australia's 2nd Commando Regiment, Special Forces, and he can tell his audience about how some of the most intense, pressurised military training in the world prepared him and his comrades to survive in deeply hostile enemy environments. One of his favourite pieces of advice comes directly from that training. Be comfortable in dropping the ball. At first, this sounds simply like a be kind to yourself moment until you think more about the actual wording. In the midst of great danger, in a place completely alien to you, at a critical moment, someone in your commando unit will drop the ball. Hell will break loose. Your task is to learn to be comfortable in what happens next. It's a big thing. As a motivational speaker, Damien shows others how to be a commando for life, to help us cope well with what's next in life. Standing there on two prosthetic legs, it's advice that Damien has had to follow himself long after leaving the army. His leg and brain injuries he sometimes makes light of, but he still needs to keep the resolve to cope with the mental struggles of being a survivor. For there were friends around him who didn't make it back. The bomb went off on a road in Afghanistan in April 2009. The soldiers and the medics who arrived at the scene had to work hard just to keep him alive, saying it was a miracle that he pulled through. He would lose both legs. Brain and arms were battered. He was close to death many times in the following days. A little later... There was a frame out of this arm, um, sacks on both legs, my nose was shattered, my face still felt a bit crap. I kept my teeth, but I didn't break my back. Um, other critical parts didn't get blown off. That's always helpful. I think it was like part of it, I can remember just going, I'm uh, like, I'm alive, but like my family are here. You know, and you sort of, you can see distress in people's face. So I was trying to just joke with them. There's pictures of me, like blood on my teeth, still smiling, like trying to tell everyone it's going to be fine. In the decade that followed, Damien used all the energy and determination from his commando training to grasp back life. To walk again and to look to the future. He has written a book, studied acting and earned a part in the movie Hacksaw Ridge, directed by Mel Gibson. He has represented national veterans' charities, navigated rally cars in professional races, walked the famous Kokodo Memorial Trail with the father of a lost comrade, snowboarded for Australia in the World Cup, swam for his country in the Invictus Games, and met and charmed the royal princes, William and Harry. Out of that whirlwind, Two constant loves for him today are from the quiet areas of his life, his young family and golf. Golf is the game that helps him keep his head level, combats the stress disorder still very much inside him and makes him want to get out there in the sunshine every morning, listening to the birds sing. And after a great deal of hard work, Damien now plays off 5.4 golf handicap. He had been an athletic, energetic young lad growing up near Sydney in Australia, but his father had worried that he wasn't heading anywhere. Then, one day, 
Damien saw an advertisement online for the Australian Defence Force Commandos. He was at his mother's computer and on her desk was a picture of his grandfather, a decorated and twice injured soldier from World War II. Damien signed up in 2005, aged 24, and was delighted to be accepted onto the demanding training programme, surprising many people in his neighbourhood. It was something that when, when I got qualified, I was really, you know, I had a sense of accomplishment that was, I think, on a different scale to anything that I'd, that I'd ever done before. Not only had I achieved what I, what I wanted to as a goal, I knew that there was at least, you know, you're looking at 90 you know, 99 out of 100 guys that you speak to, you know, the same guys who were laughing at you before you went, couldn't do it. You know, they couldn't even do it in their wildest dreams. Damien learned early on not to listen to the negative views of others, but to trust himself. Most people's opinions are just their anxiety coming to the surface, you know what I mean? Or their fear or them trying to protect you or, you know, or they're just them thinking that they couldn't do it. You know, I had people laugh at me when I was going on special forces selection, I then go like laugh and literally go, yeah, I bet you're exactly what they're looking for, mate. Have fun with that. Like it's a really satisfying thing to then drop a beret on the table when you're at a Christmas dinner and go, I guess I am what they're looking for. This was usually positive and a defining chapter in Damien's life where he made a circle of the closest friends trusting each other with their lives. However, the page turns. And in April 2009, Damien was driving a modified Land Rover on night patrol in the south of Afghanistan when they drove over the IED bomb planted by the Taliban. The IED blew the car up that I was in. I was driving it. It was a special uh, special reconnaissance vehicle, or what we call an SRV, which is a modified Land Rover. I was driving the car. The guy who's literally an arm's length from me. He ended up with a couple of scratches under here and a blown out eardrum. The thing that blew was designed to take out a tank. It took my right leg clean off. Um, my left leg was really badly damaged to halfway up the shin. This arm was shattered and facing a weird direction. Damien's head was also badly injured. That obviously rattles your brain. You know, it's like getting punched by Mike Tyson if he was the size of a dinosaur, but as fast as lightning, you know. I'm still close to this guy. We grew up three suburbs from each other and never met really odd but he was holding me down because i was trying to essentially get up to be able to run away that's what apparently it looked like so he's got both hands on my chest and i was trying to punch him to get him off and he said it's the most sickening thing he's heard he still wakes up to it now because this arm both bones were shattered this elbow was hanging out and the whole lecronine everything was was broken in it the wrist and the hand was broken too. Just a, still, it just a, it amazes me that they could keep me alive. It's hard to compute, like really rationalize it. No, I mean, I'm a reasonably rational and logical type thinker. So yeah, it's a, hard to put into words the feeling of, of that. Damien was transported to a hospital in Germany. I could wake up and, you know, sometimes it's just writhing in pain or just enough for my brain to know what was happening. Doctors and therapists traditionally move very cautiously at times like this with a survivor, and the families urge their loved ones to take their time. This thinking wasn't in the Special Forces playbook. You know, the entire system is essentially built around extremely difficult tasks, but you're generally given, especially in training, you're giving an unrealistic timeline. You know, you're given unachievable tasks to do, 
And it's about training your mind to deal with that process of doing everything that you have to do, not skipping steps, paying attention to every single one of those one percenters to ultimately know that you're going to be somewhere five minutes late, you know, which then means that the hostage is dead and you have to start the whole process over again. And it doesn't matter if it's four in the morning. It doesn't matter if you didn't sleep last night. You've got to keep going until you get it right. It's a common thing for guys from my unit to recover quickly. I mean, I was walking within six weeks. I was pretty messed up. I mean, I had a lot of things hanging out of my arm and stuff, and I'm still saying, look, let's strap the prosthetics on. Let's, Let's get this moving. Damien wanted to be walking, not in a chair, ready for three months later when he would meet some of the returning comrades who had saved his life. I look back at pictures now and I look really young. You know, it's a 28-year-old kid who's just been ripped apart. I never looked at myself like that. You're not trained to be reliant on anyone. You're trained to be self-sufficient and operate in the most testing environments in the world when your life's on the line. Playing sport is often a successful part of the recovery process. While cricket and athletics were big things for Damien growing up, golf was always in the background. Golf for me... It was literally the conversation at the table where I grew up. My parents both were just mad golfers. That was their sport. Mum was a reasonably successful amateur. My dad was always a reasonably low marker, but he probably spent more time taking us to sport when we were young. Before my injury, I was never really interested in the game of golf. Like it was... I could always hit the ball a long way and no one really taught me the the ins and outs of what you're trying to achieve, which is each individual shot going where you want it to, to then sort of hit an overarching goal. When I came back to Australia, uh, a lot of people were really, really good to me. And part of the, the thing that we sort of would do, you know, for my parents, I wanted to sort of do something that could make up what they went through a little bit. And they loved golf. And I thought, well, that will be my thing. This will show them that, you know, I'm still... Me, you know, I can still do the things that I could before I had such drastic injuries. We were enjoying speaking to Damien after he'd been on his home course that day at Magenta Shores Golf and Country Club just north of Sydney, where he's enjoying being an ambassador for the club alongside European tour professional Demetrius Papadatus. I think the satisfaction for me in preparing and doing stuff was the same as it, as it is now. If I finished like I did today and I missed putts, my stroke was reasonable, but I still did time on the putting green before I got into my car, before I came home, because you're not going to fix the problem by sleeping. Snowboarding was his first great challenge after his injuries, scratching the itch of the thrills and spills of army life. And I was literally racing against guys who were missing half a foot, which is pretty much a scratch. And, you know, you're wondering why they're so far ahead of you. And there's only so much you can do. Uh, It would be four years ago now, just before my daughter was born, I got new prosthetic feet. Um, And both of those feet had a range of movement of about 26 degrees, as opposed to the sort of 12 or 13 you get out of a normal foot. And when I when we first tried them, I looked down and I literally thought, it feels like bending my knees. I could probably get a putting stroke out of this. That's sort of where it started. And me being on the golf course wasn't like swinging, battling, seeing if I could stand up. It was all of a sudden seeing if I could, you know, keep the ball on on the fairway. You know, and I, each Friday night, I would drive to the Central Coast. I was still living in Sydney at the time. And me, my dad, and one of his good mates would play every Friday afternoon. Damien still suffers from a stress-related illness, though it's difficult to explain it to others. Golf, however, continues to help him with this. 
I did a, uh, God, what was it, a radio show with a lady who was on the London tube bombing and she lost both legs as well. And she asks herself, like it was, it was really interesting. She was asking herself questions of like, what would it be if I had have not had my coffee that day? Or she's got all of these whys. And I think that for me, I never have had to ask myself why. You know, I know why I was there. I know why I was doing what I was doing. You know, I, I, all of those things are, to me, just sort of the matter of fact bits. You know, it was. it's not like you do a job in the most dangerous country on the face of the earth doing the, <laughs> the most dangerous thing you can and, and don't realise that there's risk associated with it, you know. I think that through the, the phase of recovery, there was a lot of bits where, you know, there's a, a couple of battles that you sort of go through and the way that your mind works. Some things triggered me in different situations that I'd had to deal with. It's weird. Like now, right now I know how to find the middle ground. You know, I have to be active. I have to be healthy. I've got to, there's a lot of different things I can do that can assist me in dealing with it. Like last night I had a moment where just one train of thought ended up taking over what was happening. And I had a physical reaction to it, which is the hardest thing because it wasn't hot, but I was sweating. I knew what I knew what it was, but it doesn't make it any more fun. It's like imagine, God, the worst anxiety you could get. One minute you feel like angry, you're aggressive, you're oh, okay, I've got to be, and then two seconds later you're literally crying like a child. I found that for me to be to be able to deal with them, the game of golf's worked as a perfect leveler to give me something that. I think I'm working towards and to take me off the loop of things that are happening in my mind at those stages. Like it's given me something. I just find it works for me. Like, I guess a type of meditation to go out and try and hit one of those shots, like just pick one and then go out and just drill it until my body can't do anymore. He tries to explain further. I've got like a, a stress disorder that came with, um, I think the recovery time of the injury more than the, the war time and having to deal with some of the challenges. So it's, and golf is sort of the perfect remedy for that. As, as you know, the game can be really, really satisfying. And then the next shock can be extremely humbling. Sometimes you just get flat out bad breaks. Um, the good thing about the game, but was it helped me emotionally deal with some of those bad breaks. Cause I, I want to shoot, you know, I want to shoot bar every time I go out and I haven't yeah. shot it yet. I rarely drink. I hit the gym though, like every day I lift weights or at least do something that's going to make me stronger. I, I don't mind training. Like, I don't know. I, I like kind of training in the at times where I know other people aren't. It's a little bit strange like that. Like I literally, if I'm, if it's the nighttime and I can't do anything, there's a few guys I know who do stuff at night, which, you know, you go out and work with them at the, on the track man at their range, or I'll be reading something or, there's always something. It's like the the endless quest to get just that little bit better every day. And um, I think the good thing now is being at the stage of my game where really where the mental side of things actually comes in. I mean, it's all good to be able to physically play every shot that you need to play, but then you've got to make the right choice at the right time. And it's impossible to explain to people who don't play golf, but, you know, everyone who does knows the exact moment, you know, and those mistakes, they're, all, they're always really easy to see when you when you look. Recognising how golf mirrors life, the sport is part of Damien's philosophy today as a motivational speaker. It's a role he takes seriously, looking to give others confidence while reminding people what it means to serve your country, the hard lessons of being a commando. Damien has lost friends in war and also in the aftermath 
when life had just become too difficult for them to continue. You know, people have different levels of hurt or different levels of, you know, different things they struggled with, different things they thought were easy. And I think Australians are pretty proud of what our, our military do and our service men and women. So it's really good to be able to take to them a story that reinforces how good of a job our guys do. I think when my parents first heard about it, it was a, you know, like three or 4% chance of surviving. You know, I was literally between operations on a, on a bed that doctors still just baffles them that I came through, you know I mean? And they had a space blanket on me. If I couldn't hold my body heat, I was going to die. It was, it was that simple. And my parents were sort of told that, you know I mean? The process of getting me into that position is something that I think is a story that Australians need to hear about the type of thing that makes up our soldiers, the type of men that, that we have that are over there because the special forces typically, you know, you operate in the dark. People don't hear that much about what you do or how you do it. You know, I mean, there's the occasional metal story or, or something like that, a Victoria Cross, something of the sort. But beyond that, you don't really know the ins and outs of some of the work, especially stuff that like saving me and saving so many other guys in like really compromising positions. You know, you don't, you don't get those stories the same way because it may compromise the operational security, which is the lives of, of everyone serving in the unit. So it's a good chance to be able to get out there and really give people that little bit of little bit of perspective. And I mean, hopefully, you know, that is sort of a similar sort of one. I do get a, a big kick out of people who say that just hearing the talk changed the way that they look at adversity. For more than three years, Damien studied acting professionally. His big break came in the much acclaimed 2016 war movie, Hacksaw Ridge, where Damien was cast alongside Andrew Garfield, Vince Vaughan and Sam Worthington. The film was nominated for Best Picture at the 2017 Academy Awards. Importantly for Damien, acting was also therapeutic. I found it fun that you could go in and you could like laugh, scream, cry, do whatever while you were working on a piece and you could essentially escape who you were. I think that would this sort of phase of my life was me working out who I was, what really made me tick. The film led Damien to gain a spot on the very popular Australian reality TV show, Survivor. Jeff Nicholas's wife watched it and it caught Jeff's attention. He was a much-loved Australian professional golfer who was seen as the godfather of golf for the disabled by other players. The two met and have become great friends, Jeff encouraging Damien into the competitive side of the game. Damien, who was playing off around a 14 handicap, would look at fellow golfers with disabilities like Mike Rolls, also a double amputee, Shane Luke, Stephen Pryor, and Jeff Nicholas himself, who were all low single-figure players or better. This really inspired Damien to up his game, and he gives thanks to Jeff for being a key figure in his development. Especially in Australia, it's not really... It's kind of frowned upon for you to voice your ambition you know i mean but you know if i'm competing against disabled golfers i want to be the best one on the planet i want to be ranked world number one that's just my goal and now it's just to me in my mind the way that i walk myself through things it's just it's sort of a matter of a matter of time effort and dedication to see whether i get there to reach these goals damien has the best possible support from his loving family including partner abby who is a teacher and the young kids he dotes on Ari J and Isla Rose. 
they're amazing. Isla's like me. She's like an absolute pain in the ass. And she's every time I tell my dad a story about her, he's literally like just laughing on she's the exact same as you. Damien's 2013 memoir, Without Warning, charts his progress of rehabilitation and he doesn't hold back from criticising himself for being far too impatient with doctors and nurses at times early on. He still commits his time as an ambassador for charities, Defence Care, Soldier On and the Commando Welfare Trust, which raise awareness and funds for injured soldiers and their families. Looking ahead, he will seek to play more Edgar tournaments and strives to get to the top of the world ranking for golfers with disability, which will then be Damien's next great challenge, but also his daily therapy as he continues to look after his mental well-being. He says... Golf keeps him functioning. And I like golf because it's such a, it seems so simple, but it's such a broad and complex game. You know, everything from technique with shots to the choice of shot to the conditions that you're playing them in. It's just such a a sort of learning cycle where I think you've got to do something that as any adult, you have to get comfortable with making the wrong decision, you know, like you have to literally be comfortable being the person that drops the ball to me. And I love saying that during my talk, you know, the people talk about teamwork and what it takes to be in a, in a team and all this sort of stuff to me, the most important asset you can have as a team member is just to know the fact that at some stage, every single player on that team is going to drop the ball. It will happen. People are here. And how you deal with someone dropping the ball ultimately assigns you a value as a team member, you know, and it's, it's up to you what that value is. I really love the way that golf as a game reinforces that, some of the sort of bad breaks that you get. But I find that golf's been the real one of, one of those things that continually teaches me and reinforces the life lessons and things that I've things that I've dealt with in the past. And ultimately it gives me something that to strive for. You know, I mean, success lasts for 10 minutes. You know, I mean, that's how long it lasts if you win a grand final or when you get your beret, you know, there's those things that are really major that last for a day. Um, I don't know whether golf's one that you can ever, ever perfect. You know, you're always sort of chasing the dragon. I really love that about the game. And I like, I just like the fact that it's me that's just accountable for everything that happens. Mm-hmm.